All right, hello everyone. Once again, to our discussions on the 21st century. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a sociological imagination in the 21st century, where we will be discussing about the topics of sociology, culture, anthropology, and everything and anything in between. So, last last discussion, we 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 stopped at the portion on the first part of the discussion of culture. In fact, it's a very long topic to talk about. That's why I decided to divide it into two parts. So this will be the, the second part of the discussion of culture. So if you haven't listened to the first part, so kindly go back to the previous segment before we continue, before you continue here. Or if not, it's really up to you. So for this uh, podcast, we'll be learning about the following, particularly on culture and adaptation. We will also talk about subcultures and the various different subcultures. We will also talk about universals of culture. So basically, we'll be talking about three major things for this one. But that doesn't mean that the discussion will be very short or quick. In fact, the discussion itself is going to be a very lengthy and interesting one. So. Let's start with talking about culture and adaptation. So, when you look at culture, or like how how culture is present, or how societies are visualized in today, so you could really see that most of the things that are physical are also manifestations of culture, right? And they also manifest themselves a sort of evolutionary progress, meaning this culture is not is not something that came out at an instant or this society is not how it is today without a, uh, a development or a past in fact all cultures or societies started small and no no civilization that is once grand uh, that is that ended as grandiose as and and as expansive as as history labels it so or depicts it so it uh, never start big in an instant. In fact, these societies, these cultures, these civilizations started out as very small groups of uh, tribal people which then progressed and innovated and adapted and eventually uh, transformed into societies that we know of today. And one of the very common features of how societies evolved is how societies also adapt. So what is adaptation? Of course, we all know that uh, a biological perspective of adaptation, but the cultural, like wherein it's, it's basically trying to overcome a certain scenario that is somehow in the pose of is, is threatening the survival of a certain animal or species. But in the cultural sense also, it's particularly somewhat similar and the same, wherein adaptation is a process by which human beings adjust to change in their environment. So this adaptability, however, is not the result of being biologically fitted to the environment. Well, if you look at the... In fact, like if you look at the case of human beings as homo sapiens sapiens, you would argue that... uh, I don't really consider as human beings the the ones being the most physically, mentally, and in fact, uh, uh, socially adapted 
species. In fact, there are other, there are more creatures, there are more species that are, that are stronger physically than us, or who, who have more uh, social bondings or interactions. For example, like wolves and dolphins, like they, they, their communication with their pack and their pods are, are more, how do you call it? Uh, are more responsive and cohesive unlike unlike cultures are like human beings where our our social interactions are very commonly commonly riddled with conflict so you wait you could really view the human species with its flaw with so many unlimited number of flaws and disadvantages but you might you could also question the fact that why are we considered as the the dominant species as we know of today why are we the ones technically owning and destroying at the same time the planet so let's take for example using all your capabilities alone based on the picture that i've shown you how can you survive against these following animals so like it's in the case of a tiger, of course, with your physical capabilities alone, there is zero chances, most likely, that you would survive with an encounter of a Bengal tiger. Or even the case of small dogs like chihuahuas. One bite from it and then that's really uh, a sad case for you of rabies. If, if you're lucky, that, that dog is... Uh, given some anti-rabies vaccine what do you call it vaccine yeah or even even smaller than dogs ducks <laughs> in fact one of the scariest animals that i believe to exist are actually ducks they just look normal but then like if they see you you cannot really know the mind of a duck because it i don't know i have very very personal experience with uh, you know those big white ducks that are pretty much the spawn of everything that is evil <laughs> anyway going back so uh, imagine or like analyzing our physiology we are not that uh, equipped with so many things that could prove to our survival like we do not run very fast compared to other animals we don't jump very high we can't climb very well anymore and we can't even swim that far however there is one thing that that differentiates us from other species that makes us superior and better and that is of course in one area we are culture producing culture transmitting and culture dependent species so you might argue like do other animals have culture well some some biologists might consider practices that are very unique to certain animals but a culture as complex and as intricate such as like how human beings or like us as human species tend to manifest is pretty much very unlikely yeah very unique this unique specialization is rooted in the size and structure of our human brain and in our physical ability to both speak and use tools in other words it's our culture that helps us survive so it's the primary means by which human beings adapted to the challenges of their of our environment so 
take away all the culture, take away all the technologies, take away all the things that we have created as societies, we are at a disadvantage. We are at the mercy of nature. In fact, pretty much every time without culture, we are constantly in a state of anarchy or in a state of chaos. If the animals won't kill us first, it's it's going to be the environment. It's going to be nature. So basically, we are pretty much not really the apex predators that we believe we are. We are just pretty much cultural predators, if you may argue it differently. So, going back. This makes culture pretty much a part of who we are. Similarly as how our physiology is part of who we are. So like our brains, our bones and muscles being a part of ourselves, so will be culture, whether you like it or not. And with culture, there is also what we call as cultural change. So it's generally assumed that the number of cultural items in a society, including everything from the smallest item, like the most insignificant, most commonly uh most common items that the society makes to the most complex uh, to the most complex institutions the most complex material cultures has a direct relation to the rate of social change so if you want to view a society or if you if you want to understand how complex the society is or how 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 dynamic or how how huge or or expansive the society is, you should look at its cultural items. Like the fewer number of cultural items items that the that culture has, the likely it has very less innovations and the very less uh, very less expanded expansive culture, very less in, an innovative culture, improved culture, but if you find a culture that has so many cultural items, societies with so with a vast amount of cultural items, then expect a very, very complicated and expansive type of culture. Because innovation, as manifested in the cultural items that we can easily view, really manifests the rate of social change meaning the more cultural items that you have the higher the rate of your social social change so in cultural evolution we basically have two definitions of, or two criteria the first one of course is innovation wherein any new practice or tool that becomes widely accepted in society is considered as innovation so you make something and then it's appreciated by society it's used it's modified and it's it's interacted upon and diffusion is the movement of cultural traits from one culture to another so what's the difference between innovation and diffusion for innovation basically it's how there is something there's this cultural thing that is maybe unique or not depending on the culture and how it's improved over time a good example i could give you is the the evolutions of certain gadgets that we we use today like for example phones cellular phones nobody not really everyone expected that cellular phones will be like the basic cultural item that we need right now basically 
uh, let's go back 20, 30 years later, the, the cellular phone is uh, is it's typically uh, 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 an item to to show social status. Meaning, if you have a phone, that means you have you have earned or you're earning some amount of money. Meaning that means you are you're rich. But today, in our context, owning a phone is basically part or essential in surviving in our society, in our culture. Meaning, if you can't own a phone in this era, in this, in this, in this period right now, it's very difficult to maximize our social interactions. Why? Because half of the interactions that we make right now, or even more than half, is done online. Especially right now during this period of the pandemic, and ninety percent, I would argue, I would wager, ninety percent of our social interactions is done through online the rest of the 10% would mainly belong to interacting with people inside our homes or interacting with few errands like for example buying food or stuff but just go out for a short walk but these things most of all of these things can be done online like ordering a pizza or talking with your families via phone or like sending memes even though you're in the same room with your wife something like that or your girlfriend so this alone, this makes the cell phone back in 20 years or 30 years ago very much different from where we are right now. You can really see that there is a very high social a rate of social change. So from a status of of being rich or be or for a, for a status symbol, right now it's basically something that everybody must have especially when you've reached the age of 12 onwards maybe and another example would be the evolution of cars like we were like the evolution of transportation when we started to transport on transport things on foot and then we tried to mount or use other animals for transport and then until now we have very very fast methods of transportation we have cars we have trains we have airplanes and you name it so basically innovation shows or culture with so many innovations shows a very high rate of social change in fact if you look at the phones 20 years ago if you look at the cars 20 years ago they are in a span of today or in today the the development or the technologies are very pretty much very far-fetched like a phone 20 years ago it's very limited compared to the phone that we are using today i cannot do a podcast on my phone on a phone 20 years ago but right now i can do a podcast while listening to to music or while while using the same phone to check on my notes or my slides so basically there's so much things to do in the same item that were in a span of 20 or 30 years if you look at the past it's not really as rapid as right now so like uh mailing mailing letters really took a long time in society and it stayed in society for quite a while while today give it five years we're gonna have another different method of communication like 20 years ago there was there was emails there was pen pals 
no, 20 years ago, there was already the internet. So, like 30, 40 years ago, there was email, there was pen pals. 20 years ago, there is the internet. So, email still. And roughly, and there was messenger or like chat. And now we have still the same method of communicating, but we also have better access on video calls, like uh, uh, live conferences. And maybe next uh, five years in the future, we are going to have a different standard of communication. So pretty much we are experiencing a very strong rate of cultural change. So you'll never know what the future will look like 20 or 30 years from now, which is something really uh, positive to look forward to and sometimes also a little bit uh, uh, scary to think about. Next, we also have diffusion. So what is diffusion? So as I mentioned earlier, it's more of a passing one culture to another and then it's a revamp or readopted and then becoming part of your own culture. A good example I could always give is the Korean wave in the Philippines. So we have uh, we have our our share of digesting or using or enjoying Korean uh, Korean dramas like. Uh, the one I really like is the 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 one where I forgot the name and I'm supposed to like it. Uh, Crash Landing. So it's a very good Korean drama which I really recommend. It's on Netflix. I'm not sponsored by the way. Another example is so oh like and uh going back to to those the Korean dramas. So we even to the extent enjoyed Korean drama. Uh, People in the Philippines enjoyed Korean dramas that it reached the extent that they, they, uh, how do you call that? Remake or, or yeah, remade those dramas in a Filipino version, in a Filipino setting. And that is what you call reformulation, wherein uh, a culture or a trait is modified in some way so that it fits the culture in that current context meaning there are certain ideas or expressions that are not entirely understood by filipinos but if you redo the drama you would add your own cultural footprints so for example like the characters names will be changed of course if you have a filipino remade of that drama you're not going to use the korean names but you're going to use filipino names filipino settings filipino most everything but of course uh, not all filipino or not all the audience really appreciate that so another example of diffusion is our enjoyment of k-pop meaning oh yeah of meaning so like we listened to k-pop for quite a long while now i think starting in sandara park's k-pop group and we are still doing so today in fact a lot of uh Filipinos can even sing Korean music even though they do not speak or understand Korean at all. And another example is particularly on fashion. It's pretty much uh, reformulated also right now. But not really reformulated because we don't really change the fashion. We just simply adopted it. And we just it, it suits most of the Filipinas. Particularly, it's mostly Filipinas wearing the Korean style fashion today so like the one I've shown in the picture so you've seen a lot of uh, Filipinas wearing that and also uh, food 
So basically, uh, 30 or 20 years ago, again, you don't really see many sangyupsal shops in the Philippines. If there are sangyupsal shops, it's likely to be near resorts, uh, the airport, or, or, or somewhere that is attracting or somewhere tourists are situated. But right now, sangyupsal shops are everywhere. In fact, you can go to the mall and find three plus sangyupsal shops. You can go uh, to to an arcade and you can find a sangyupsal shops. Meaning the Filipinos also adopted this type of food culture, clothing culture, drama culture, etc. etc. Now we move on to also what we call as cultural lag. So we've talked about how culture changes and then we also somehow try to understand that not all societies adapt some cultures in a, in a normal pace or in a fast pace. So what is then culture lag? So according to William Ogburn, so in 1964, He was the one who coined the word cultural lag. He described it as the phenomenon through which new patterns of behavior may emerge, may emerge even though they conflict with traditional values. So Ogburn observed that technological change or some mostly material culture is typically faster than change in non-material culture, particularly in norms, in values, in behavior. So that means... So that means stresses and strains among elements of a culture are more or less inevitable. So for example, our use of the internet. So the internet has been developing at a very fast and very, very expansive pace. In fact, the internet before is not the internet of today. But in the case of the educational system, it pretty much did not really change that much. So that's a really good example that we can have today. So, so that's why when we transitioned from an online uh, traditional classroom to an online classroom, there is pretty much so many uh, uh, complaints. There are so many. Uh, there are so many. How do you call that? Mm, rough patches that were encountered. It's simply because of cultural lag, meaning the educational system or the the education culture that we have not just in philippines alone but almost all countries have a very slow pace in in comparison to technology in fact when we talk about online learning the technology is already present has been present for quite some time now in fact you can learn so many things on the internet in fact You can search vast amounts or a wide array of knowledge and information in the internet. But why is it that the the number one or the primary or the 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 how do you call that the, the primary source of education for cultures that is the the schools or universities somehow lag behind when it comes to adopting when when it's forced to adopt online classes simply because because the culture of how we teach or how we are taught is pretty much not inherently material culture it's basically non-material culture how we teach how how i'm teaching to you in fact right now i'm doing a podcast is very different than doing class discussions i'm more comfortable 
I'm more comfortable doing class discussions than podcasts. In fact, every time I speak or say something, I'm pretty much very conscious about every detail, every grammar I miss, uh, I'm, I mispronounce, every word I mispronounce, every grammar error I make. So it's pretty much very different an experience doing a podcast and teaching on the traditional style. Is it my fault? Not really. It's basically how we humans really experience culture. Meaning technology will develop in a very fast pace, but non-material culture is always something that will lag behind. So that is why it's if like let's say COVID never existed and this so many uh, uh, so many things that we have innovated right now will cease to exist so I will never use a podcast I would there will be no very very minimal opportunity at all for me to do podcast in fact if I don't I don't want to do podcast just to make it a personal diary so but because of this I am using LMS I am using I am using the podcast I'm making exams online I I bought a computer because of this so basically we are forced now that we are forced to to adapt into a new culture into a new normal expect drastic changes in the educational system which is very good but if COVID never happened we will never experience online classes like in in the next 20 or 30 years there it's i would i would gamble like we would transition into a an online offline learning system really quite far maybe five six seven years in the future but because of covid19 there is really a very very i would i would gamble 90 percent when we come back to school it will not be purely offline or traditional anymore. We will try to adapt online and offline learning because we already had the, the share or the experience of that technology. We are forced to adapt. So that is a good example, a really good example of cultural lag. Next we go, okay, I've, I've strayed too long in cultural lag. So now let's go on subcultures. So, so subcultures are, you might think of subcultures as something lesser of cultures, but in fact, no. These are really full-blown cultures themselves. You don't don't think of subcultures as something lesser than cultures because subcultures are cultures. But this is just what sociologists use to term various various categorizations of culture. So they refer to cultures with distinct lifestyle values norms and beliefs of certain segments of the population within a society meaning so let's say for example our culture is a filipino and being a filipino or the philippine citizens have also what we call as subcultures that make them or or align to them or like group them together with the things they share and they believe in so like for example me, I am a Filipino and I'm part, partly experiencing Filipino culture, but there are also subcultures that are part I, that I participate in. For example, like uh, internet subcultures. Like for example, in 
for example, meme culture in the internet, where I I I make memes, I I like memes, I react to memes, I comment on memes, so like that. That's already a subculture because I have, I could have my own knowledge. I have I have no language of it. I have jargons that are exclusive to that subculture. I have practices. I have beliefs and value systems that are, are unique to that subcultures. So I have posted also a video. This is really a funny one. That uh, that somehow categorizes the various subcultures in the internet subculture. In fact, the culture of the internet subculture has pretty much so many subcultures in itself. So while while watching that, you can come back after the discussion or click click play on the podcast, and then we'll continue. So subcultures are generally classified into eight but in other in other sources there can be more than eight but dominantly we have eight subcultures i'm not gonna put all of them because it's gonna be a long time to talk about it so the first one is pretty much the the obvious subculture that we can quickly think of that's the ethnic subculture yes you guessed it right so what is then the ethnic subculture so so basically these are are groups of people that are not part of the dominant culture. So for example would be the ethnic or the tribal groups of the in the Philippines. So although they are not not part of the dominant culture meaning the the for example the 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 people living in the urban areas where the population is wider, uh, bigger, the, the area is wider. So you have they have less population and less area in where they're clustered on or another example would be how on like for example OFWs in other countries so they could be considered as part of ethnic subcultures meaning uh, you can find like Manila towns or usually when they call it Manila town it's because there are so many Filipinos living there Korean town Chinatown those are very good examples Next, we have occupational subculture. So basically, these are people who have created their own culture simply because they are, because uh, one common trait that they have in common is on their occupation. So this is like call center agents in their own culture. Like they have, they have their own word, they have their own jargons, they have their own ways to to, to cope with stress, or they have their own. They have their own fashion style, like you know, like call center agents when they go out from their work, they're usually wearing hoodies because it's very cold in their offices. Or or when they talk about something that they they don't agree on or to de-stress themselves, they, they use particular jargons because they don't want other people to know what they're talking about because that's simply rude for Filipinos. So uh, another example would be like uh like how teachers group each other or like lawyers have their own uh, their own fraternities or sororities next we have religious subcultures of course religious you don't I don't need to explain further this one basically people who classify under a certain religion me Christian Jew Muslim Mormon or Buddhist etc etc Next, we also have political subculture. In fact, uh, one of the loudest and 
and the largest uh, among the subcultures basically is political subcultures where uh, it can be small or marginal or dominant political groups can can also express themselves in a cultural basis meaning uh, usually political culture subcultures have have the same ideologies political stances and the same people to that they they appreciate or admire but that's basically politics so a, a good example in the philippines is the the dilawan and the dds like that that's dominantly the, the the dominant political subcultures that you can uh you can see in the philippines today so if Oh, that's basically the thing. If you're not a DDS, you're a Dilawan. If you're not a Dilawan, you're a DDS. Vice versa, even though you're inherently not aligned on both. But that's basically it. You get the picture. Next, we also have geographic subcultures. So basically, this is these. This is based on geography. Like a good example would that be in how. Uh, I don't know if you've traveled a lot in Cebu, but if you've noticed, uh, people from different regions tend to have particular cultures as well. You can really see the highlights of these cultures during fiestas, because I've I've traveled in Cebu for for a lot, and I've noticed that every fiesta has a very diff uh, will always be distinct in every provinces. I've went to Argao, they celebrate. Uh, Sinulog there, of course, and they also have their fiesta depending on what parish you're on. Like for example, Saint Michael, so they have a very interesting way to celebrate it. And on in on Karkar, they also have a very different way. So they have their own subculture geographically. So or or in the case of cities, so we have a different way of celebrating things. So like for example. Uh, in in urban areas, so we celebrate what urban areas really celebrate. It's basically work work. But sometimes we celebrate fiestas, but not as not as grand and as festive uh, as the provinces. But yeah, we do celebrate the little things. But it's pretty much vibrant in the fiesta in the in the provinces. Next we have the social class subcultures. So basically the subcultures with the rich, the, the middle class and the poor. So we have different cultures depending on where which social class we belong. Next the deviant subcultures. So the deviant subcultures are basically the ones that are not really part of the conventional uh, subcultures or sometimes these are are categorized as something that is illegal or 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 taboo or not part of the, the general norm of that culture so basically these are subcultures for like uh, drug dealers wherein they have their own they have their own culture they have their own crime system so that's pretty uh, uh, that's a very pretty cultural uh, standpoint as well so like criminal groups uh, also like you would also consider uh, gangs or uh, yeah, the the gangs gangs groups so gangs or fraternities part of divan cultures particularly in the Philippines we have two dominant ones but there there are also so many groups so like the 
the yeah I forgot the names but that's not saying that if they're deviant they're bad inherently but it's something that is not really seen directly meaning it's sometimes you need to dig in or dig deeper or, or find it in some nook and crannies to to find this culture and like the dominant cultures or the, the normal subcultures you can simply find them in the open area in the open cities or suburbs while the deviant cultures you have to have special access or special connections before you are allowed to interact in such such culture now we move on to the universals of culture so universals of culture basically are things that are or arguably although like a lot of anthropologists and sociologists would argue that uh, universal cultures do not exist but for me in my case of the discussion it's somehow necessary because we have uh, cultures or cultural practices that are replicated in almost all the cultures that we view or existing right now meaning these are these are traits that are are used in almost all cultures because they have some form of survival I mean they are very necess- necessary for the survival of the culture so they are classified into the following so namely division of labor incest or taboo marriage family organization rites of passage and of course ideology so the first one being division of labor this is basically how cultures try to divide their their workloads into groups so you might argue like maybe today right now in urban uh, urban urban settings there is no division of labor well that's not really the case because we are still divided in what we contribute to the society so so like for example right now i'm in the academe you can be or you my students could be working right now so you could be in the industry uh industry of communications industry of or like the bpo industry some could be in agricultural meaning there is already a division of labor because if you don't divide the labor properly then the the society cannot cease to function like imagine if people would just stop being farmers and where would we find food so basically division of labor is is necessary for cultures to exist we divide the task necessary or depending on the demand or the need of these tasks that is very necessary for our culture's survival next we have marriage incest and family so pretty much on all cultures uh, 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 human societies I have yet to encounter or read about a culture that does not regulate sexual behavior. So, sexual mores vary enormously from one culture to another, but all cultures apparently share one basic value. Sexual relations between their parents and children are to be avoided. So, in other words, incest. Well, yes, you might argue that some cultures allow incest, but like... most of the cultures were in the past but yeah there is still some exception today but inherently like incest is a taboo for very specific reason it's aside from it being unethical of course 
it's not good for the survival of the society because you are not widening your gene pool in fact you're making your gene pool very narrow very small but it does not make the future generations more adaptive to the environment in fact it it makes your your current current generation with pretty much more deformities and, and other other cases although incest is not necessarily between parent and children but of course in siblings as well but it's it's it would be it would be an exaggeration in my part to say that it's not practiced or it's tabooed by all cultures when in fact a lot of the cultures in the past embrace it for example in ancient egypt so it's pretty much normal to marry your brother and sister or in fact in other in other chinese cultures in the past i'm not sure in the present where it's it's better to marry someone you are closer related to in the family so that the money will still be part of the family and not not go to some other else's family and benefit from it so these sexual relationships between family members is called incest and because in most cultures very strong feelings of horror and revulsion are attached to incest as well that's why it's pretty much a taboo so a taboo is a prohibition of a specific action so taboos are not necessarily illegal but most of the taboos are basically these are uh, are mores to a more moral and uh, uh, illegal extent but generally our reasons for incest that is a taboo is because it's 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 revolting to to experience and of course genetically it's never a good thing like you're weakening your future generations if you do incest and in terms of marriage so yeah let's move on to to taboos right now let's go to the more wholesome things so the basic unit of family or the standard of course society is constantly innovating but we are still considering the basic unit of family as husband wife and children and that is called the nuclear family but that does not mean that other types of family exists but again that's the most basic it's called basic because it's dominantly found on most all cultures out there but before you cancel me again i'm not saying that this is the only culture that you should abide or you should follow well it's just like it's this is the common one well there are so many other variations like uh single parent family or uh uh blended family wherein the mother had children and the 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 partner also the husband or husband to be already had children and they both got married so that's a blended family or another one is extended family so meaning we include your uncles your grandparents part of the family which is very common in the philippines and of course same-sex family wherein word it may not be uh it may not be uh officiated in the wedding ceremony but still a family is does not really uh focus on the ceremonials but rather on the the familial attachment that you have created with the individuals of the family so we can have same-sex family for that as well 
Next, we go on to rites of passage. So all cultures recognize stages through which individuals pass in the course of their lifetimes. Some of these stages are marked by biological events, such as, like for girls, the start of their menstruation. Or for boys, maybe their, their, their growth spurt in their teenage years, or when they, they first got an acne. But not all rites of passage are inherently biological, but most of the cultures have, biological or not, have some practices that are meaningful for specific cultures. Like for example, and right now, it's not really the traditional type of culture, but debus is considered also as a rite of passage. So, if, so once you reach the age of 18, you are celebrated by your parents, and then you are now welcomed into the the age of almost adulting life. In fact, even to a certain extent, graduation in terms of education is also considered as a rite of passage because and in how it's viewed in society, particularly in the Philippines, wherein if you have not graduated it, which is really a, a, a very disappointing norm where we view success as being able to attain an, uh, an academic degree or an education degree, a degree in general. So, and your worth as a person is now manifested in that because it, it deems that you have, you have accomplished that rite of passage that we view in our culture. So if you have not accomplished that, that means you are viewed in the society as someone who is uh, incomplete or rather like that, or someone who is yeah, I don't know really the, the specific term that we have because there isn't really that kind of study. But yeah, that's really a good topic for research. But basically, you get the idea that we we treat people differently based on their if they have an education or not. And that really shows it being a part of rites of passage. And other examples would be like marriage or baptisms or or how do you call that bachelor parties so, so mostly celebrations are typically rites of passage and lastly we go to we are almost done we go to ideology so cultures without ideologies are are seemingly impossible so because human human beings are very ideological themselves they have because we have well, basically, you have reached this period of the societal development. You might argue that we have developed because we have been following these things that we've been doing for quite a long time. And it becomes embedded in the society. And then it becomes what we call as ideologies. So, and that's that's one of the uh, uh, points of conflict in terms of culture sustainability. Because... Uh, certain ideologies could could be challenged by the passing of time. So basically, ideologies are are those strongly held beliefs and values. So, for example, in the Philippines, you might argue that ideologies dominant here are Christian ideologies. So, if you challenge this ideology, you will be met with a, a huge backlash from people. In other countries, they have very different ideologies. In fact, all cultures carry 
certain ideologies. There are no cultures without any ideologies. And you can't, you can't change my mind on that. And ideologies are very necessary also. So they're not there just for making your culture distinct. Because ideologies give direction and thrust to our social existence and meaning to our lives. Because if we don't really have ideologies, well, think of ideologies as, as, as the basis of doing things. So, like for example, why do you why do you pray? Oh, because I'm a Christian, and it's part of the ideologies of being a Christian to pray. Or why do you do these acts? Or why do you why do you why do you think that adultery is wrong? Or why do you think abortion is wrong? So that's basically on your ideologies. So ideologies are like the moral framework of how we should do things in the society all right so we've learned today so it's quite a long discussion i hope you really survived in the end so we have learned the following things first first we discussed about culture and adaptation next we talked about subcultures and lastly we talked about cultural universals so after this so since you're done listening congratulations we will move to the next topic which will be posted next week as well so this is already a, a technically two-week discussion since that's why it's very long so this includes the previous week and the current week so for the next week it's gonna be a different topic also if you have questions or uh, things that are very trivial for you, so you can ask me on the Discord, so hit me up there. Or you can, I, I prefer really Discord because I read your questions faster than than leaving a message on on my email or on, my, on the Google Classroom. But also please check on the Google Classroom because after this lesson there will be activities to do and questions to answer all right so thank you for listening so i hope you have learned something in the discussion because i think this is a very interesting topic so and i i hope you are still okay there in your home so if you need uh, support particularly on academic support or like you are you're troubling with your subjects or like for example if the load is quite difficult you can always don't hesitate to ask me about it because i'll try in my power to help you guys so this is uh we are still experiencing the cultural lag so we there 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 will be dominantly so many challenges that we have to hurdle on or over so the best way to overcome those challenges is to do it together all right so thank you for listening i hope you stay safe and Stay indoors.